Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Psalms 115, it's not in my text, but I'm going to mention this at the beginning of the next uh, sermon also. 115 verse, I believe, I believe... 119, 105, I believe it is. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it was on my heart on the way here, and it's going to be on my heart all day because, yes, it's gloomy out there, but God's word sheds light on our feet and on our path. You think about it, the lamp is the source of the light. The source of the light, God's word, sheds light upon our feet, and it also illuminates the path. Now, that's not necessarily uh, a good thing for us, depending upon where we're at in life, but it's good for the soul because sometimes the path we're on doesn't line up with the path God has for us. And so it'll mark our feet, but it'll show us and illuminate where we're heading and where we ought to be going. Amen. And so with that, go ahead and you may be seated. We're going to turn to the book of Jeremiah. We'll see what I can do, what kind of damage I can do in in 25 minutes. It's just not enough time. (laughs) It's just not enough time. And God help us that it just doesn't have to be a two-part series. I don't want to rush the word, though. I just want more time. Jeremiah chapter 3 and verse 14. And I I apologize, I don't have the scriptures for this morning anyways for um, Sister Hickey, but she's awesome. (laughs) Turn all backsliding children, saith the Lord, for I am married unto you. And will, and I'm just going to pause there for a second. It's covenant relationship. Immutable, unchangeable. It's fact. God is. Period. What he says in his word, it's established. It does not change. His portion of covenant is matter of fact. There's nothing you can do. Oh, help me. There's nothing I can do that would ever change God's perspective on covenant. Now, our perspective, and it's true when it's said that perspective becomes reality. How we're perceiving or what angle or what view we're looking at things absolutely tends to become reality for us. Amen. So there may be times when God does feel far away, but he's... Always as close as the mention of his name. That's what his word tells us. He's right there. I don't care how far you've fallen. I don't, oh, it don't matter how far you've gone. It's not a matter of earning your way back. It's simply the truth. It's just turning. And he's right there. Amen. Covenant relationship. For I am married unto you and will take you. One of a city, two of a family, and bring you to Zion. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Oh, help us, Jesus, to do just that. And it shall come to pass when ye be multiplied, 
and increase in the land in those days, saith the Lord. We'll stop right there. And here's the title. One equals two equals multiplication. One. <laughs> I love this. I will take you one of a city, two of a family, bring you to Zion, and it shall come to pass when you be multiplied. I love the word of God. When I tell you, when I, and, and if I greet you, I'll say it many times, you hear it. God bless you and increase you mightily. You know that scripture, that's the word of God. I believe it. I'm just speaking blessing. God's word is awesome. So, one of a city, two of a house, or two of a kind, multiplied and increased. Let's take a look, a little, a little voyage through God's word. Let's look at Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 19. First Kings 19. I'll just describe it. It's in here. This is where, uh, and honestly, I, I just got 19 written. I don't have time to read the whole thing. <laughs> That's all right. Great victory that God gives to Elijah for the people on Mount Carmel. And, and immediately following, we find what? Elijah running and hiding in a cave because Jezebel threatens him yet once again. The abbreviated version. He's hiding out in a cave all alone. I love what God tells him there because God says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah tries to explain, and then we get the demonstration of the fire sweeping across the mountain and earthquakes and, and, and great storms. And, and we know what it says, God, you know, there's all this boisterous, mighty movement of his hand, and yet he was in what? The still, small voice. Hmm. And what I get out of that, to sum it up, was sometimes we'll find ourselves in those moments of wondering where in the world God is at, I'm all alone, I'm the only one left. And that was Elijah's, one of his thoughts. I'm the only one left. There's no one else that serves you. I even preached about it. The power of the decision and the choice. Because here he is after this incredible victory on Mount Carmel, and the people are all excited in the moment, but it didn't turn anyone. Israel did not turn and serve God. It's just a fact. And miracles are awesome, and they will happen in our lives. But there's power in our decision and our choice. Choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. There's power in your choice. It's true. And so God talks to Elijah, and he gives him a mandate. He's in a cave alone. God's answer was to set up the young men. Everyone say, set up the young men. What did he tell them? Anoint Hazel, king of Syria. Anoint Jehu, king of Israel. And then also anoint who else? Elisha to what? Replace you. Anoint Elisha. What is God doing? He's establishing the future. You know, God has a plan. He always has a plan. 
And, and I think we should just go with God's plan. <laughs> He's pretty good at what he does. He's been doing it a little bit longer than all of us combined. And God's plan works. It's true. And so he has a plan for Elisha. Amen. Now, whether you realize it or not, and we'll look at some of the scripture in a moment, God willing, there were sons of prophets at this time. Elijah, Elijah thought that he was alone, but there were sons of prophets. If we look at scripture in 1 Kings chapter 18 and, and verse 4, Obadiah hid 100 prophets by 50s in two caves, right? So there were, God always has a remnant. God never goes without a remnant. Throughout history, there's always been truth. There's always been a beacon of life. Throughout history, it's true. No matter how dark the age ever became, there was always a remnant of people. Even for the 400 years of silence, there was still a remnant of people. It's true. And we could look at that from a, different, a couple different aspects. And thank God we have the examples of the Old Testament. And God's not going to make any of us go through 400 years of silence. Thank God. Right? I don't think any of us can, can wait that long. And God doesn't expect you to. But there are times when we will feel alone. There are times when we do feel like, where are you, God? He's always right there, whether we feel him or not. But there are those moments and those times. And so God's always got a remnant. You're never alone. You and I are never alone. We'll do good to remember that and not allow our perspective to become our reality. Oh, I feel alone. I'm the only one. What's the point? What's the use? Oh, Elijah, there's at least a hundred others, young men who need you, the sons of the prophet. And, and, and I got to mention this, and I'm sorry if you feel is abbreviated, but I'm already down to 15 minutes. They were sons of the prophets, so guess what? It was in their DNA. Prophecy was in their DNA. Elijah's hiding out in a cave. So are 100 other young prophets. Elijah, when he was in the cave, at that moment was accomplishing nothing. 100 young men in two different caves just waiting, not knowing what to do. Oh, it just makes me think, if one would put a thousand to flight, two would put two thousand to flight. Come on, someone. That's not God's math. That's yours and my math. Two would put what? Ten thousand to flight? It's still a principle. If one would get out of the cave and lead the 100, can you imagine oh, what would be accomplished? There's always a remnant. 1 Kings chapter 22 speaks of their state. They're untrained and there's no instruction or accountability. I would say deceived even by a lying spirit. Jezebel had some serious authority because Elijah bought into the facade. 
And I'll remind you, Elijah, you just slew all of her prophets. Second Kings 2. Let's look at this one. Second Kings chapter 2. And once again, I apologize. Because I don't, I just have chapter 2 written down. <laughs> but thank God for highlighting. Chapter 2 and verse 3. And the sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him. Okay, let's set the scene here. Elijah's now passed away. Or Elijah, he's gone up, not passed away. He's gone up and caught away in, a, in the chariot of fire, right? Or the horse, whatever. He's gone. Elisha is now the man. Hmm. Comes back across the Jordan River, right? Takes that mantle and the first miracle of that double portion. Hits that water and says, where is the God of Elijah? Water parts. And, and, and who's on the other side watching? If we go back and look at the scripture, they wanted to go and they wanted to be with Elijah and Elisha, but they were not allowed to. So they're watching from a distance. It's the sons of the prophet. The sons of the prophets that were at Bethel came forth to Elisha and said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he said, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. Verse 5, and the sons of the prophet that were at Jericho. So you've got 50 and 50. Came to Elijah and said, Knowest thou that the master will take away thy, thy father or thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yea, I know it. Hold your peace. We'll jump ahead to verse 15. And when the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, saw him, they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest. Now this is when he comes back across the Jordan. Does rest upon Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed themselves to the ground before him. And they said to him in verse 16, Behold now, there be with thy servants 50 strong men. Let them go, we pray thee, and seek thy master, lest... Peradventure, the Spirit of the Lord hath taken him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley, and he said, Ye shall not send. Hmm. They don't understand. They're lacking in wisdom and discernment and understanding, and yet they're sons of the prophet. This is all in their DNA, but they have lacked instruction. Because who should have been instructing them, was hiding in a cave, and it relegated them to hiding in a cave. Now, there's spiritual parallel here, and this is not our portion. This is not our portion. <laughs> our portion is one of a city, mm, two of a kind, will equal multiplication. Oh, Jesus. We'll get there. And when they came again to him, oh, verse 17, and they urged him till he was ashamed. He, and he said, send, fine, do it your way. <laughs> they sent therefore 50 men and they sought three days but found him not. Oh, and there it is again, threes. Every time threes in the word of God, the limitation of man. We'll see it again in the next service also. Hmm. They went as far as they could, and they could not find. They reached as far as they could reach on their own, and they came up short. But that's all right. That's when you're right where God wants you. 
And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, he, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, go not? So I want to point out, I need to point out right here, Elisha, Elisha knows what he needs to do. He could go on, he could go on, and he could minister solo like his predecessor did, Elijah, but he knows, wait a second, these hundred men, these young men need instruction. He realizes, I will be far more uh, effective in my prophesying if I instruct these young men. This is where I got to stop and say, you will be much more effective in your commission if we embrace this process. This is where it's at. And because I just don't have time, this is what God himself did. When he robed himself in flesh, ministered for three and a half years-ish, and what did he do? He took a handful of men, and he taught them, and he trained them, and he instructed them. Three and a half years, right in between three and four. Hmm. This is where I say, this is where I share my testimony. This is where I say my experience in God's word and in God's spirit absolutely shows evidence that if I'll invest three years and then a little bit more, I am most effective in reaching someone else. I'm not speaking against a 12-week Bible study. I do them over and over and over again. I don't know how anyone would ever get through a 12-week Bible study in 12 weeks. And I'm okay with that. Because I need to fill about three years and then a little bit more. Because it takes three years to get the old out and the new in. And I'm telling you, huh, we ought to be on, on another note. We've been around here for three years. You're more than ready. We'll get into Hebrews in chapter 2 in a little bit. The answer for apostasy is knowing the word and growing in the word. Familiar with the spirit and growing in the spirit. And that's our portion. And listen. Oh, every single one of us can be absolutely effective in this pattern. And if one becomes two, those two become four. Mm -hmm. I've shared it with you before. My next Bible study, my last Bible study teaches, and I oversee it. Why? Because the next one he's teaching on his own and he's replicating it. This is in real time. This is my ministry. Nothing feels more apostolic than this right here. They continued in the apostles' doctrine. And what did they do? They broke bread daily in the temple 
going from home to home, ministering in the word. Why? Because the men that God invested into <laughs> understood God's pattern and God's patterns work. One becomes two and two becomes a multitude. You win one. We've heard this forever. I, going back to be, oh, in the early 1980s, at Abundant Life, I can remember it as a young child. If each one would reach one, we double. <laughs> and, and, and I'm not, I'm not trying to, oh, let's just double. No, that's not the point. The point is, they're out there. Matter of fact, hmm, we might be done almost already. Just in the Jethers of this congregation, just in those that we pray for every single Monday prayer night, this church would more than double. And you know what it's going to take? Someone reaching. Someone investing. And someone, oh, giving of their time, their talents, and yes, their treasures to do so. It's sacrifice. Ah, take up your cross and follow me. Make your sacrifice and do as I do. Paul said it this way, be ye followers of me even as I am also of Christ. <laughs> you can do this. We can do this. And there's a need. And the principle is one becomes two and two becomes a multitude. It's a principle of God's. And <sighs> I need about another 45 minutes. It is apparent immediately that Elijah saw the need and understood that one equals, as the title says, addition equals multiplication. It's by chapter 4 that we see Elijah has an established minister school, an established disciple school, a dis, an established school of the prophets. All because he recognized as he's starting his ministry, as he's coming into his home, as he realizes, wait a second, I've got something here. I've been empowered. I've been endued with power. Comes over to that Jordan River for the very first moment. Doesn't know what's going to happen, but I've seen it done before. Now it's my time. It may have been. It may have been even in wonder. It may not have even been faith. He might not have known that it was going to happen. He might have just, in desperation, I've got to get back to the other side because there's a whole group of men waiting that need me. What's going to happen? I won't know until I try. There was no guarantee that that water was going to part. But he did what he had seen done. He replicated <laughs> what the one before him had just done. And now it's his turn and it's our turn. Mm -hmm. It's your turn. And he hits that water. The water divides. Walks through. 
could have went anywhere and started ministering, but no, he recognized. I'm going to start right here. He waits for them when they come back. And you see the school of the prophet for the first time actually flexing its muscle as a result. I didn't even get to the best part. <laughs> but we'll stop there. <sighs> Just going to have to save the rest for another time. <laughs> and it's so good. I just want to tell you, but then... Uh... Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.